Hey, it's Jim Paff again, and this is the Against Nice podcast, where we believe that nice people are evil because they want to run your lives. We promote culture and government that values voluntary decisions left up to you. This is a way to promote justice and kindness that thinks about the needs of others before ourselves. Go to our website, politicsisntnice.com, and join our email list. The button's right there at the top right, politicsisntnice.com. Hello, everyone. This is Jim Paff. Welcome to the Jim Paff Show. This is our initial broadcast here on July 4th. Welcome to July 4th, and uh, I hope you have a great July 4th weekend. Of course, while uh, governments all over the country, state governments and even some aspects of the federal government are trying to shut us down, not enjoy a July 4th holiday, but I want to just introduce myself to you. So glad to uh, be on here with you in this initial broadcast. I am really concerned about the direction of our country. And I talk a lot about this and will continue to do so. You can hear it on my website, politicsisntnice.com, talking about the various ways that they're trying to where government has really gotten out of control. We are in a situation in this country with the way that governments have shut down states all over the country, where we have a situation where a truly racist murder of George Floyd has been entirely taken advantage of, where you've got rioting and looting in the streets, you've got left-wing activists, Marxist activists, uh, taking over a portion of Seattle, Washington, where they're telling us they want to shut down our history, they want to extract it from us. We've got a situation here where we could really lose it all as a country, and I get very concerned. I know this is a really happy subject to talk about on the very first podcast or I mean excuse me broadcast that I'm having here and you know that may seem like a downer but it actually might be a good time to start a discussion to start a effort to try to retake our country now you know this is this broadcast is going across in Birmingham Alabama right now type of people in Alabama that still largely understand what this country is about. People of every part of the political spectrum. We're a really conservative state in Alabama. Folks that really do get offended when the lifestyle that they've been accustomed to for all their lives is being assaulted by left-wing activists who want to make you out to be someone who's not worthy because you come from a certain perspective, a certain heritage. But the reality is we're all Americans. 
We deserve to be treated fairly under our Constitution, our U.S. Constitution, and fairly under our laws. But we've got courts that are constantly attacking those constitutional principles which made this country great. Even through all of our problems, and we are not a perfect country, we have had a lot of problems through our history. We have turned so many rocks over that are that really represent problems and it's fair to say that i have no problem with someone questioning certain aspects of our history we've gone through a lot as a country but there would be no foundation of freedom in this world right now if it weren't for this constitution that we ratified early in our country's history ratified by men some of whom had marks on their uh, personal character or the things that they were doing or what we would look negatively, and for good reason, uh, from this perspective in history, some slave owners, many that weren't slave owners, some that really didn't understand uh, the problems that were being set up at the time by keeping... uh, a slaveholding history in this country that blew apart during the Civil War. But many men there, too, and really all of them, that understood what freedom could mean for everybody. And there would be no freedom in this world if it weren't for those documents, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. There'd be no freedom in this world at all. We laid the foundation in this country. So my reason for being on the radio is to try to get us back to those Judeo-Christian-centered principles that have made this country strong even through our weaknesses, that can sustain us in the future if we don't abandon them right now. I've been involved in politics for more than 30 years, whether I was running campaigns, running legislative efforts. I spent eight years in Washington, D.C. as a chief of staff. Uh, The congressman for most of you in this area, Gary Palmer, has been a friend of mine for many years. We were both involved in the family policy network that was connected with Focus on the Family. You know, he standing for economic conservative principles, for limited government principles. You've got some good people that have been in this state. Mo Brooks, who I got to know when I was working on Capitol Hill. Great man. Jeff Sessions. I got to work with him on certain issues with uh, members of Congress whose offices I was running. Great man. And I'm not uh, making a favorite in the uh, Senate race. Uh, Tommy Tuberville is running too, and he seems like a good man too. So I'm not getting into that issue. I'm just saying great people from this state who have stood for basic values that matter. But I've got a podcast that I also have where I bring in national leaders to talk about the risks of where we are. www.politicsisntnice.com. You want to check out that podcast, I've had people like Colonel Allen West, Peter Schweitzer, 
Um, I had Davey Brody of CBN News. We're talking about the values that matter, the things that we need to do to secure our liberties. And I'm going to talk about, I call this podcast Against Nice. I'm not telling the people to be mean, but we've got to stop being nice. I'm going to going to take a break here, get some commercials in, but I'm going to tell you about this concept because there's something very important we need to really understand here. We need to understand that we have to fight back when we are being assaulted in our basic values. I'll be right back after this break. Do you want to get on the path to a healthy lifestyle? Go to fitnutritiondepot.com. Fit Nutrition Depot has a full range of products to help you pursue your health goals. If you need more energy or you want to lose weight, Fit Nutrition Depot has the products to help you pursue a better, healthy lifestyle. Beat that drop in afternoon energy. Stay alert without that sudden slump at the end of the day with liftoff. Are you trying to lose weight? Try one of our quick start programs. They can help support your goal of healthy weight management and nutrition. And our herbal aloe products can help soothe your stomach and support intestinal health. Go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com and use the code WYDE to get 15% off any order of $15 or more. Results vary. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com. Remember to enter the code WYDE. To get 15% off, go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com now. Hey, welcome back to the Jim Paff Show on this July 4th weekend. This is Independence Day. This is the day that we celebrate every year the freedoms that only the United States could have provided for the people of this country, and really for the people of the world. This is the time that we should be celebrating fully the foundation of freedoms that were first expressed through the Declaration of Independence that existed in this country for almost 200 years prior to our founding. About 150 years. I I said that wrong. I apologize. And... We should be thankful for this. The freedoms that we enjoy were provided to us through the Judeo-Christian ethic. The efforts that led to liberty in this country, which began with people coming from Europe to uh, escape the religious persecution that they were suffering at the hands of England. They ended up in Holland. The pilgrims ended up coming here in 1620. The Mayflower Compact sought God's help in establishing a new country, a new new outpost there in Massachusetts with the pilgrims, where they relied upon Almighty God to help them secure principles of liberty in this fallen world where we have struggles, where we have people who do evil, who don't seek what's good, who attack our freedoms. But the foundations of liberty, of goodness, of kindness come from the Judeo-Christian ethic. And I, I'll talk about on this 
program every Saturday as we move forward. My podcast called Against Nice might sound strange to you. Why would you be against nice? Well, I've worked at the highest levels of politics in this country. I spent years in D.C. I've been an activist uh, moving the principles of liberty, constitutional principles across the country. In that effort, I got to know a guy many of you probably have heard of before. It's been a few years since he passed away uh, unexpectedly. Andrew Breitbart. Breitbart.com is a website that he started, still exists, and has a lot of great information on it. You should definitely uh, check it out on a regular basis. But I was talking to Andrew one time. He came in to do to help me with an, a, a mass rally uh, to really put a light on principles of liberty. We are talking afterwards, and he had mentioned, you know, how he was an agnostic. And he was talking about how he loved Christians because he believed and had come to learn that the principles of the Judeo-Christian ethic— Without those principles, there would be no liberty. There would be no freedom. On this day when we celebrate American freedom, July 4th, we need to remember the, the Declaration of Independence, which says clearly that our liberties and our freedoms come from God, not from governments not even from documents. I mean, all the Declaration of Independence was doing was affirming that those principles come from God. It isn't, I mean, we draw from it. It is really the fundamental, almost American scripture of liberty that tells us what liberty is about, why we needed to break free from England, on what basis would we do that? The Founding Fathers had to make a solid argument for breaking away from a country. It was a serious matter. And if you didn't get it right the first time, the whole foundation of liberty that you were trying to bring about here in the United States would fall apart. The people that you had to convince to fight to secure that uh, breakaway from Great Britain they wouldn't be inspired to do it if it weren't based on fundamental principles. So I'm having this uh, conversation with uh, Andrew Breitbart, and he, he knows the Judeo-Christian ethic is the foundation for all freedom. It's why he said he loved Christians, but he said Christians are too nice, though. They won't fight back. And Andrew Breitbart, an agnostic, said, I feel like I need to fight for Christians because they're way too nice. So that got me thinking. I was really mulling that conversation over a lot. And I, you know, I I got thinking, well, gosh, don't we want to be nice? Shouldn't we be nice? I mean, as a Christian, isn't that what we're really commanded to do is to be nice? Well, I got to thinking and studying it quite a bit. And I came to realize being nice is not anything that is commanded in the Bible. It really has no foundation morally anywhere in any society. When you look up the definition of nice, something that is nice is something that is pleasing or uh, desirable. 
Well, when you consider that concept, if you're looking at something that's pleasing and desirable, if you think someone's nice who's pleasing to you or nice to you, that's a very subjective way of thinking about it. It's a selfish way of looking at it. But when I consider in the Bible, Micah 6, 8, which says, He, God, has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. It, it kind of dawned on me as I was looking through all this, what we're really wanting, what's really appropriate in an orderly society is people who, by and large, are kind to one another. Well, what does kindness look like? Think about this with a parent-child relationship. I don't think any of us would consider a parent to be very kind who didn't discipline their children. And I'm not talking just about spankings. I'm talking about any discipline or correction. Discipline is is training. It's uh, where we get the word disciple. It's really where we get the word teacher uh, or to be taught. You know, we anyone who doesn't teach and correct and train their child, we'd never consider them very kind to their children at all. Anybody who doesn't correct their children is is eminently unkind to their child. But no child, when they're being disciplined, thinks it's very nice. I think it's a, a good way to look at what I'm talking about here. We only think things are nice. We only feel that people are nice when they please us. But a kind person is thinking about the good of others. And in that thinking about the good of others, there's going to be times when being good requires something of a corrective nature. When I look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., I can hardly think of how any of us would want to scream and yell that during this COVID-19, not really pandemic, well, I guess it's a pandemic. A lot of people have gotten this. Millions of people have gotten the uh, test and found to have the virus. Um, During this pandemic, what's been happening? You've got governments taking our freedoms away under the guise of trying to stop the virus. And we... We rightly need to be yelling back at this. The way that this whole thing should have been handled from the very beginning is to have fantastic information so that people could understand what was really going on and then make a good decision themselves. So if the best information is to wear masks, then let people decide whether they want to wear masks or not. Let business owners decide if they'll let anyone in without a mask. Don't have some government edict to tell us what we're supposed to do. Don't shut down businesses so that you can destroy them. You know, we've decimated small businesses during this whole process. And so getting back to this concept of niceness or kindness, so what's the response to this? Well, the nice person says, you should do what the government tells us to do, or else you're not being very nice to other people. You're not being very thoughtful to other people. We're getting that kind of feedback happening. But on the other side of it, a kind person says, don't take my liberties away to meet your goal. They shut down the uh, state of New York, and they've had more deaths than anyone else. It was the epicenter of this. And in fact, the science is telling us that 
when you shut down these states that you're actually cloistering people in to receive the virus more. Andrew Cuomo sent COVID-infected patients back into nursing homes, and the greatest number of deaths that happened in that state on a percentage basis happened in nursing homes where they sent those patients back to the nursing homes instead of treating them in the hospitals. And by the way, their hospitals were never overwhelmed in any significant degree. Some were a little bit, but not by and large. They could have moved people a lot of places. Anyway, I'm going to take a break because I'm going to pick this back up. I want you to understand what I mean when we should not be nice. Hey, it's Jim Paff again. Welcome on this July 4th edition of the Jim Paff Show. So glad you could be with us, and I'm wishing you a wonderful and excellent Fourth of July weekend. Do the best you can and enjoy your weekend because they're trying to shut it down again. Hey, and listen, you know, when I think about the COVID-19 thing, I'm definitely concerned. I want to make sure that people are safe. And frankly, I believe strongly that uh, the best approach to this pandemic was, as I've said before, was just to give people information, let them make the best decision possible based upon good information. Problem is we've had really bad information the whole time. They told us that uh, 2 million people were going to die of this or whatever. They're throwing out numbers that really meant nothing. Every prediction that was laid out there um let's be candid. They were wrong. They were not just wrong. They were wildly wrong. And I think about how uh, <laughs> you hear uh, Anthony Fauci uh, talking about uh, what, what might happen now since we've had an uptick in new cases. And at this point, really kind of crying wolf. I- I'm not saying that everything Fauci says is wrong, but, and I'm not saying that what anyone says is necessarily just absolutely wrong on its face. We want to test it out. What is wrong, though, is that they tell us to trust the doctors. They tell us to believe the science. And the science, to this point, has been largely wrong. They were wrong about the treatments. I just saw an article recently uh <laughs> excuse me, that was um, th- that was saying that hydroxychloroquine, which was so everyone got so up in arms about because Donald Trump was uh, saying, hey, we ought to check this out, which he never said we had to go to it. He just said it looks promising. We ought to try something. And it, and it has had mixed results, but there ha- are articles now that are showing hydro- hydroxychloroquine was helpful for people. Uh, we were intubating everyone, putting them on respirators that had serious cases of COVID-19. Well, it turned out that was not always the right thing to do. In fact, there are a lot of stories that I read about that show where people probably were harmed by being on the respirator. So we changed the approach to intubating people. Uh, The remdesivir has come out. This is another hydroxychloroquine-type drug, a different drug, but that seems to have some benefits on how to treat people. 
Right now, the people that are going into the hospitals are dying at lower rates because the scientists are figuring things out. So when we look at experience, that's where we get a good understanding of which direction that we ought to go. The experience tells us. It's not the projections. And when when you have uh, doctors and scientists telling us what we ought to do, well, a lot of them, including Fauci, bring in some experiences that can be useful and helpful. This thing has been such a different type of virus that it was arrogant for anyone to any doctor at all to say they knew exactly what was going to happen with this. And the projections of how many people were going to die, how many people were going to get the disease were so far off that uh, that it's absurd to even think about what they were trying to project. So they shut down an entire country, all these states, for so many months. And they first are saying that we want to make sure that the hospitals don't go to get overwhelmed. Well, when the hospitals weren't overwhelmed and they wanted to say we wanted to been the curve on the uh, actual infections well when you know we didn't have enough testing to know quite what was really happening with uh with the infections then they're like we need to eradicate the virus and do not be fooled they are going to take the time when you see this new spike in cases taking place They're going to shut this country down again if they can. I think that, see, this is a political issue. I really believe the politicians are interested, many politicians, not all, are interested in harming Donald Trump. So you might say, hey, Jim, why are you being so crassly political about this? Well, I'm really not. I mean, there is one uh consideration that we must take this is a it is a serious virus it is spreading there are a lot of people who have gotten it and there have been 126,000 i think at this uh on this show and at the moment i'm saying this that have died that's all serious and important and sad with all the deaths and even the fact that some people that get this disease they may uh continue on with problems for the rest of their lives heart problems apparently are being caused in some people who get this and survive respiratory problems that are lingering and ongoing there there it's not something we need to just sniff our nose at and pretend like there's no problem this is a serious virus but there are politicians and they do this all the time and this is what is so frustrating this is why our liberties are so important there are politicians out there andrew cuomo gavin newsom other Democrat governors, uh, this uh, Whitmer lady up in Michigan, they really do want to harm Donald Trump, and they want to harm Republicans. There have been governors in this country who have taken actions that they're taking not only to try to do something to deal with this disease, but in the back of many of their minds are the political implications of what they can do to Donald Trump. I mean, just look at what's happening with the rioting. And you had 
Senator Tim Scott, whether you like the bill or not, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina offers a bill to reform policing. And what happens? No Democrat wanted to do anything with it. And Dick Durbin, Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, on the floor of the Senate, said that black Republican Senator Tim Scott's bill was token legislation. Now, folks, you can say whatever you want. (laughs) You can think whatever you want. You can rationalize it any way that you may try. But when Dick Durbin said that that was token legislation, I won't say it on the radio, but I could make it sound a lot worse than that. And to be candid, it's exactly what he meant. And you know what I'm talking about. These politicians in Washington and in many of these states, particularly these Democrat states, they are willing to sacrifice your life to bring harm to your family if in doing so that will cause uh, some harm politically to their political opponents. That's really where we're at right now. You know, our court system, and thank goodness that Donald Trump just appointed 200 judges. He just had his 200th federal judge uh, confirmed in the Senate. Thank goodness that he's done that. Because Barack Obama, who did not get as many judges confirmed, really set back our uh, judicial system for those eight years that he was there. And many of those people are going to be still on the bench when Donald Trump's long gone, whether he gets reelected this November or not. And those people are going to have a negative effect. But thank goodness Donald Trump balanced the scales a little bit back to the right direction by putting mostly very good judges, 200 of them, on the bench in in federal courts. That was absolutely fundamentally necessary because the rule of law is almost entirely gone in this country. And we've got to recognize our liberties are deeply at risk. When I come back on the other side of this break, I want to talk about that because we've got some serious work to do. And you cannot think that we're immediately in good shape we got to do something about this. I'll be right back after this break. Hi, it's Jim Paff. Have you had a chance to listen to my podcast? It's called Against Nice. When you see what's happening in our country, aren't you tired of the PC police telling you what to think? Are you concerned about the assault on our liberties? Nice people are the meanest, most intolerant people in the world. On the Against Nice podcast, I promote truth, exposing the nice police who undermine our Constitution and our country. We have content you'll want to hear from top national guests like Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Allen West, Victor Davis Hanson, and others, and they're committed to the truth and our constitutional principles. Go to www.politicsisntnice.com to learn more about the podcast and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Listen, nice people want to take away your liberties, but we're not going to be nice anymore. Want to hear more? Go to www.politicsisntnice.com and be sure to follow Against Nice on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome back to the Jim Paff Show. I was talking uh, just before the break about the rule of law in this country. 
and the risk that we have that our federal courts and even in many states state courts the potential assault that will continue regularly upon our liberties you know when when you look at the for example the Roe v Wade decision back in 1973 that was the supreme court making law they were not deciding a, a judicial matter a legal matter they wrote the law it was the intent of that court to make abortion a mandatory requirement a mandatory liberty of of women it was their intent they weren't going through there and trying to say listen how can we be fair that was there was not even a little bit of an intent to be fair when it came to Roe v. Wade. They wrote the law. You don't find rights in, as the decision says, the penumbra of the Constitution. We, we have been living, when it comes to the United States Supreme Court, for some decades now in this country, maybe nearly 70 years. It began in earnest during FDR's administration, so a little more than 70 years, where the Supreme Court has been finding rights outside of the clear statements of the Constitution. I can tell you, having spent eight years in Washington, D.C., working for two different congressmen who were principled men. I worked for Tim Hulskamp, former congressman from Kansas, and Thomas Massey uh, from Kentucky, current congressman. And I can tell you that in everything we did, you, you get to realize if you actually have a heart and a focus and a mind that well more than half of what we spend in our federal budget is on unconstitutional things. There is, for example, no constitutional uh, requirement or even authorization for there to be a, a U.S. Department of Education, period. There's nothing constitutional constitutional about that just as an example you got to read article one section eight of the constitution to see what was prescribed for congress to be able to do in its spending and it is very limited i'm not convinced that federal welfare programs are constitutional in fact the the federal and state governments have brought a have a monopoly over charity in this country we by the way we wouldn't have a hospital system if it weren't for christian charity period that started in the late 19th century the government didn't do that our entire health care system has its original foundation in christian charity by and large it, it the the civil war in the 1860s and the problems that happened and the hundreds of thousands certainly tens of thousands of men who died on the battlefield in part just because there was poor medical treatment made it very clear from a christian motivation uh, clara barton and and those on both sides of you know confederate and union soldier side that were trying to take to take care of these men 
they realized how inadequate our healthcare system was. And that spurred on a renaissance in healthcare that began in the 19th century, at least was uh, planted then, and really took root in the 20th century. Well, government got involved in that too. Government runs well more than 50, well, I, actually, I, I think up to 70, 80%, if I recall correctly, of every bit of healthcare. In some way, it has a direct pass-through from government, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, the Department of Defense medical system, the VA system. Well over 50% is run with money that goes through the federal government with federal mandates and requirements. That is not freedom, people. We must change the way that we do this. So if, but back to the court system, um, we really have a major problem in our court system not uh, allowing people to get true justice. Our courts don't follow the rule of law. They make decisions based upon the preferences of the judges. Lady Justice's eyes are not covered. And uh, both Republican and Democrat presidents have been appointing judges for decades that don't understand what our constitutional rights are. They don't follow our constitutional rights. I hate to give you a downer here on Independence Day, but we lack independence. We lack the ability to have our fundamental rights honored and respected. And if we are not willing to reassert that in the public square, we will lose everything that we have. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to this concept of being against niceness. See, you've got people rioting in the streets right now for Marxist principles. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. There are a lot of people, by the way, who just believe that Black Lives Matter, and they're concerned with injustices that might be happening in the black community. And I happen to believe that there are some of those that are out there. I mean, I've got, I've got at least five black men that have been friends of mine for decades, and they do get harassed by the police from time to time. Now, of course, they don't support Black Lives Matter. They've got uh, better principles than that. And they're not out even supporting the movement the way it's playing out there right now. That's not the point I'm making. But there are injustices that are, that are out there that hit black people from time to time. Are we a systemically racist country? No. But these people that believe like Black Lives Matter people do, which, by the way, the, some of the leaders of Black Lives Matter, if you haven't heard, they say they're trained Marxists. The purpose of that rioting that's taking place, the efforts to tear down statues without any due process or any uh, political process, where we vote our elected representatives, that you don't have public comment in this in a general sense. You don't have the politicians who are elected to represent us in the various 
levels of government that might have authority over these statues. There's no discussion taking place there. I mean, where's the justice? That's in unjust. But see, they're tearing down these statues because they really have an intent to tear down this country. They believe in socialism and Marxism. It's their desire to assert that. Well, these people are doing violence to get their will. And you have got Republicans and you've got people of goodwill who are sitting on their hands because they don't want to offend anyone. Also because they don't have courage because it takes a lot of courage to counter this horrendous message that's coming out through the Black Lives Matter movement, through Antifa. These people are goons. They're like the black shirts under Mussolini who threatened and intimidated people and businesses so that Mussolini could get political power in Italy. These people are not anti-fascists. They're for fascism. They believe in socialist government. And they're willing to assert it at the end of a gun, so to speak. And I say that figuratively because I'm not aware of them shooting anybody. But at the end of a knife or a sword or whatever, they are going to threaten you and try to demean you and put you down. And it's not time to be nice. It's not time to be uh, gentle about it. By the way, it's a Christian principle to be gentle. I'm serious about following Christ. I believe in these Christian principles. But you will note that Jesus, the Bible says, was gentle so that he would not harm a broken reed. That's the terminology used. In other words, someone that was already wounded, he didn't go harm and hurt, even if they were bad and wrong. Think about the lady caught in adultery and everyone was picking up stones to throw at her, and he ended up having all of them run away. He, he did not harm her because she was already broken, even though she was in sin. But he also called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. This is gentle Jesus, kind Jesus. He's the ultimate example of kindness and gentleness. But he's not an example of niceness. Nothing subjective there beyond the fact that he's God himself. I'm going to pick up on this when we get back at the break. You've got to understand that this is serious stuff. But we're about to go into our top of the hour break. I'll be right back. This is Jim Paff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jim Paff Show here on WYDE. I'm so glad that you are with us here on this 4th of July Uh, If you've been following us so far, you know that we've been talking about our freedoms, how to secure them, why we should never be nice in our response to the challenges that have come our way and these horrible events that have been happening, the COVID-19 shutdown and the riots and and all the chaos that's been building and growing over the last few months. This is a momentous time in American history. We really are at a crossroads. I was telling a friend, you know, I think it's possible that the chaos that has been ensuing during the last few months and weeks 
in particular is um, in a way much worse a challenge for our country moving forward than the Civil War. Listen, in the Civil War, we had one issue that we were fighting, and that was primarily slavery. And without getting into the the details of that, because people question and argue one way or another, let's just be frank and honest. The fundamental issue was slavery. And the Tenth Amendment issue was asserted because of the slavery issue. We got over that. We fought that battle. And we completed it. And Abraham Lincoln... um, did the best job possible of trying to bring healing back to the country after all of the uh, chaos that ensued and the deaths that ensued because of battle. His desire was to bring healing back to the country, even with all his faults. And we made it through that because fundamentally, at the end of the day, no matter how you argue the issues involved, we still, as a nation— North, south, everywhere. We understood the basic principles of freedom that were founded in our Constitution that, by the way, were at risk because of certain powers that were asserted on both sides during the Civil War. But we still believed it as a people. We were still fundamentally a people that wanted to secure liberty. And we had chaos afterwards, but we still, that foundation still existed. The Declaration and the Constitution were still agreed to and believed in the heart of the people. That went away somewhat as we got, uh, get closer to the, uh, particularly the Democrat Party asserting a massive government expansion that began in the 1960s. And then um, then things started kind of, you know, the foundation started to, to slowly get eroded to the point that we're at a place right now where a movement that uh, is taking advantage of a horrible murder of a man in Minneapolis by a certain police officer, and, and, and on this 4th of July, we want to honor our police. I mean, they do an incredible job. The vast majority of them really do believe in protecting people and helping people. We need to thank them on this 4th of July, and I'm sure many of you are listening right now, and we thank you for what you do because it's a tough job, and you have to suffer the indignities of your fellow officers who go way past the line. And we salute you. But right now, as I was telling my friend, I think this is a worse battle that we've ever faced in this country. It is a civil war of sorts, but we're not at a belligerent end of it. But fundamentally, both sides of this ideological battle we're fighting right now are... On fun, have fundamentally different ideas about what a, a country should be. On the Black Lives Matter Antifa side of it, which is the most extreme elements 
you have the difference between they, they oppose constitutional government as it was formed in this country and they believe in a socialist marxist ideal they are attacking this country at such a deep level and attempting to cause a wound that will uh, kill that tree of liberty that was so well established at our country's founding, even with all the faults, even with the continuing on of the institution of slavery, which we would have been uh, well advised to have gotten rid of at that time. But we still had, even with all the faults, we had a fundamental basis of liberty that was formulated in this country at that time. Now, uh, the battle is being waged against this socialist Marxist ideology taking on a constitutional government that has kept us free. And on this day, July 4th, we need to be thankful that we have still, and it's not gone away, the kind of freedom that can secure us into the future. And I want, I'm going to continue this hour talking a little bit about uh, what's happening right now and how we need to respond to it and why we don't need to be nice. We need to be firm in our resolve to undertake this duty of liberty that we all have. But to get there, I want to I want to back off of that discussion for just a little bit, which if you missed the first hour, uh, you know, well it it's going to be up there and available um on um politicsisntnice.com. That's my website, politicsisntnice.com. I'm going to put this up so that you can hear it again. If you didn't catch the first hour, you can catch it now. So Let's talk a little bit about the 4th of July, though, right now. Let's talk about why this is a special day. You know, I am certain that there are many people that aren't feeling very special right now for two reasons. Not only these attacks on our liberty that are taking place in these violent riots around the country, the pulling down of statues without getting consensus from everyone and doing it in an honorable and a right way if they should go down at all. So that's one reason it kind of, it's going to feel weird as the 4th of July. But there's another reason, too. And that's because so much of our society is getting shut down by, in my opinion, overreaching government mandates, shutting down beaches, shutting down cities. I mean, as a country, we're feeling down on this 4th of July. This, for many of us, this is the first 4th of July in our lifetimes where we were didn't didn't sense either because the government saying it or just culturally feeling intimidated that that we didn't go out and just enjoy the fourth in in a celebratory manner in a wide open manner and and that's really harmful because this day's special so what i want to do is i want to encourage you in this uh first part of the hour Talking, I'm going to bring out some quotes that relate to this day and what our freedoms mean. And I want to just encourage us as a reminder of what we are as a country. And uh, the first one I want to bring up, this is a Dwight D. Eisenhower quote that I think really encapsulates much of what this day is about. 
He said this, Independence Day, freedom has a life in the hearts and actions, the spirit of men, and so it must be daily earned and refreshed. Else like a flower cut from its life-giving roots, it will wither and die. And, and on this 4th of July, we are at risk in the hearts of some people in this country of having that flower of freedom wither and die because we've kind of cut it off. Well, don't let that happen. Tell stories to your family, to your friends. Get together with them. Get on a Zoom call if you have to. But just encourage people this day. Uh, here's a, a great quote from George Washington. Observe good faith and justice toward all nations. Cultivate peace and harmony with all. Uh, th- th- this is from his uh, farewell address, which everyone should read. It's a perfect understanding of where we need to be as a nation and a reminder of what made us good and what we need to focus on. Uh, here's another quote, Thomas Paine. Those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. How relevant that quote is at this time. Because you will need to endure in the long run to be able to secure this liberty. I'm going to continue to talk about why we need to stop being so nice and we need to get in front of this thing. We need to get out and proclaim the goodness of this country in the face of those who are trying to demean it. That is fatiguing. It's challenging. But I'm telling you, if you want this country to survive, you have got to be committed to doing that. Let's share another quote. James Madison, the advancement and diffusion of knowledge is the only guardian of true liberty. And I'll tell you what, the assault that's been on our schools in the last few decades is is what's helped to set up in some young people this idea that socialism is a good thing. I will tell you, those of us who have been involved in the political realm, trying to assert our principles, the one area, whether it's national politicians or local politicians, the one area that we have failed over the last few decades is we did not take seriously school board races. We have not gotten in the faces of our politicians and said, we want our, our schools back. We have a government monopoly over the school system, which should never exist. The teachers' unions have been assaulting our young people for decades because they put themselves first. They don't put kids first. We need to assert school choice, and it's a serious effort that we need to get involved with right now. Uh, I love this quote from Mark Twain before we uh, go into our break here. Patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. You know, we need, to, we need to turn this thing on its head. Supporting your government is not your primary responsibility. Government is not our protector, at least in this day and age, because government should be limited to the activity of protecting your liberties. Government should be accountable to you. And I will tell you this, if you're going to assert that principle, it's going to cost a lot because you will get pushback from your government. <laughs> That's just the way it is right now. Even, even in your home state, wherever you live, whoever might be listening to this, we got to assert that. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to pick back up on that point when we get back. 
Welcome back to the Jim Paff Show. Uh, wanna got a short period here before we get to our uh, bottom of the hour break. So I was talking just uh, before the last break. I had uh, quoted what Mark Twain said, patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. What We need to understand. We don't, we don't need to be trying to overthrow our government. That's not the point even that I think Mark Twain is making. I think what he's making the point of here is to recognize that the country's about the people first. It's not about the government first. I think we need to renew our understanding on this 4th of July that we as a people, when we look at our politicians, we need to take voting seriously. And I'm not talking about take seriously that we need, you got to vote for Republicans. And I come from a conservative perspective. I've worked in the Republican Party for a lot of years. But I got to tell you, getting Republicans elected is not the number one goal. It's getting the right Republicans elected. You need to hold your elected officials all the way up and down the ballot accountable to uh, standing for the principles of limited government. And that's hard to discern because people, I'm telling you, there's so many Republican politicians. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you what, we are going to shut the government down. We're going to reduce it. I have to tell you this. I spent eight years on Capitol Hill. I know a lot of Republican congressmen. I know of many of them who claim Christ. And I have to tell you, many of those people, they vote like Satan. They vote for bigger government programs. They vote for these continuing resolutions and omnibus bills, which set in stone the previous horrendous amount of spending that we had already been continuing. We've rarely ever cut government in this country. We rarely do that. We need a demand of our congressmen that they vote against these spending bills and not allow this to continue. You know, I worked for Thomas Massey from Kentucky, and he took a lot of heat back in uh, February, or March, sorry, it's March, when this $2.3 trillion spending bill was going to be voted on, not by the members of Congress, but by unanimous consent vote, which means this. No one was in in D.C. at the time. The floor is still open on the House of Representatives. You'll have someone sitting in the chair, and you'll have a congressional member of two or two out, out in the gallery. None of the members were there, and all they were going to do is someone from the floor was going to say, I asked for unanimous consent for passage of the bill, and the person in the chair sitting in for the speaker would gavel it down, and it would get passed. Members of Congress were not going to be accountable to that vote. And Thomas Massey said, wait a minute, the Constitution is very clear. You must have a quorum to do business. You've got to have at least 50% of the members in that body before you can do business on the floor. We were about to pass the largest single spending bill. And when I say, you know, someone is saying, oh, no, it's not really the largest spending bill because, you know, we pass these omnibus bills. Well, yeah, that's true. The omnibus bills are a different matter. I'm talking about the largest single spending bill that isn't a continuing resolution or an omnibus bill. The largest single spending bill in the nation's history was going to be passed on the floor of the House without anybody voting on it. There is no way that that kind of accountability should be uh, 
should be lacking when we're doing that much. And Thomas Massey stood up and he said, we have to have a quorum to do this. If we are going to do this, people have to vote for it. Then the Democrats and the Republicans worked together to try to figure out a way to bypass that. And, and they pulled a couple, uh, it brought in a quorum and it brought in these congressmen who weren't going to do their jobs, but then they were able to work out some other maneuver on the floor and then they passed it. This is the kind of absurdity that has to stop in Washington, D.C. And Republicans and Democrats have been guilty of it. And you need to hold your congressman accountable to this. You need to do it in the state legislature, too. You need to hold your state legislators accountable. Folks, it takes work. It's not easy. You've got to think through things. You have to take time, actually, to do it. And you may not like that. But I have to tell you what. We're going to lose our country if we don't get dead serious about this. If you are concerned about what's happening in the state legislature in Washington, D.C., if you're concerned about what's happening in your schools, and I know almost everybody listening to this is concerned about it, you actually have to do the work. We need people of goodwill that will not only run for a school board, but will sit on that school board and say, I'm not backing down on principle, and you're going to take heat for it, and they're going to try to harm you. They're going to try to make you look like a fool. They're going to tell you how uneducated you are and how much you don't know, and you're going to have to stand in there. We need a lot of people to take that up. We're going to get into our bottom of the hour break. I'm going to pick this up when we get back here on the Jim Paff Show. I want to take just a brief moment here to ask you to sign up for our email list. We want to hear from you. We want to give you the information that is going to be helpful as we work through these situations, particularly as it relates to this podcast, but to others as well. There's great information that you can get a hold of. Go to politicsisntnice.com. Also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash against nice. And you can check us out on Twitter at against nice. Please uh, go connect with us there. We'd love to get this information to you. There'll be more than what we just discussed on this podcast, and we hope that you'll uh, you'll take advantage of this information. Okay, so let's uh, pick back up on this. I was uh, just sharing before the break, just kind of feeding off of this uh, quote here on the 4th of July from Mark Twain, which in which he said, uh, patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it and i just want to reassert for you you know i i I talk about the and by the way everyone listening go to www.politicsisntnice.com i want you to read the article i have pinned at the very top of that website which is my whole theory uh around my podcast which i hope you'll also uh, sign up for when you get there Uh, called Against Nice. I oppose being nice in this culture and in politics because niceness is all about the subjective idea that I think you're nice if you please me. That's literally the definition of niceness. And uh, that's a subjective term. It's all about what's good for me and it's not taking into consideration what's good for others. I promote the idea of kindness which is not being a mean person and, and turning around and rioting, for example. These, are, these people are 
not only not nice, they're unkind. In fact, they're motivated by niceness. These rioters all over the country, these people yanking down statues rather than working through the normal political process to deal with their concerns. But um, kindness will be considered sometimes cruel to the nice person. In fact, there's a, there's a great bumper sticker I saw that really is the anthem of the nice person. It's a bumper sticker that says, mean people suck. Now think about that for a minute. That is the anthem of niceness. But the anthem of the kind person is, I want to see your benefit met. I talk in that article about Micah 6.8, the biblical passage in Micah 6.8, which says, he, meaning God, O man, has shown you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Kindness seeks the benefit of other people. It's not mean and cruel, but it will sometimes be considered uh, rank and unacceptable. And I, the example I use is uh, no parent will not discipline their child would be considered very kind. And no child being disciplined thinks it's very nice. That's really similar to the interaction in society that we have. If we're really going to be kind, we're thinking of the benefit of others. And, and in this culture and in our politics, that's a, a commitment to the Constitution, which, by the way, I challenge you to read and understand the Constitution. Because I'm certain everyone listening to this program or almost everyone listening to this program thinks, yeah, oh, yeah, I stand for the Constitution. I want the Constitution to be asserted. But if you really read it and really think about it, you will understand that the political effort to get us back to constitutional government in this country is seemingly insurmountable. That's why I'm telling people don't be nice. Don't be considerate to someone who is... uh, undertaking an effort to undermine who we are as a country that doesn't mean you hate them but it does mean you need to oppose them in the politics or in the culture we have to oppose what's going on right now in our culture governments shutting down businesses destroying small businesses while bailing out big businesses and governments that are, or excuse me, and rioters who are in the streets trying to intimidate you not to stand up for the principles that made this country great. That's why I like the Mark Twain quote when he says, patriotism is supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. And I have to tell you, almost without exception, our government does not deserve our support right now. They really don't state and federal government. They don't deserve our support. They do deserve for us to get in their faces and tell them to get back to the Constitution. Now, we, I think we need to support our policemen, by the way. The vast majority of them are great men and women who are passionate about securing the freedoms of others. But we do need to hold our police forces accountable, too. I mean, that George Floyd murder was a murder. It was a racist murder. That, that police officer went way over the line. Everyone knew it. For once, we all agreed about the worst aspects of policing that from time to time happen. But the vast majority of our police officers, and I want to emphasize this on this 4th of July, every one of you listening, 
police officers and those that support them. You do a fabulous job. We're grateful for you. We do not need to defund our police. We need police to be out there protecting our rights. But we also need a responsible police force, which I think just about any officer listening to me would agree. We need to hold bad cops accountable and in ways that will cause them to have to either stay away from doing the bad things that they think about doing or punish them when they do truly bad things. And what happened in Minneapolis deserves punishment. So thank you, police officers. We're grateful to you. But we, but while saying that, I want to make it clear. We do not need to love our government. Our government needs to love us. They're accountable to us, the people. We, um, we start this off in, in, in our Declaration of Independence. We, hold, we, meaning the people, hold these truths to be self-evident. It, we start off the Constitution by saying, we the people, uh, are in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general, general welfare, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The government didn't establish the Constitution. We established the Constitution. It is the height of patriotism to question your government. It is not the height of patriotism to put riots in the streets and, and see the government being torn down. We hold our government accountable to the Constitution, not to some Marxist socialist ideology. This is where we've got to be, folks. We have to change our attitude, and it's going to be a hard change for many of us because we're, it will take sacrifice. It will take, as Thomas Paine said, as I said in a previous segment, uh, it will take fatigues, <laughs> effort, but it's worth it. But if you want liberty, you're going to have to stand for it. That's the message of July 4th. While we're enjoying our time with our family and friends and anything that we can do, we have to remember where our liberties come from. John Adams talked about, in fact, I've got a John Adams quote here. He talked about the 4th of July saying, the date will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade and shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. From this time forward, and forevermore. This is a celebratory time, but it also should be something of a solemn time where we recognize that we cannot maintain these liberties unless we, the people, assert it. The government did not give us freedom. We gave ourselves freedom, and we restricted the government to undertaking only the efforts of securing our liberties. And Whenever a government exists, we are always at risk of that government becoming too large and taking our freedoms away. Well, folks, we've reached the time where we might get to a tipping point where that cannot happen again. 
these Black Lives Matter and Antifa thugs are determined to take those freedoms away. And if we're not careful, they may be effective at causing that to happen. They are intimidating people. You've got Republicans acting in a namby-pamby manner in Washington, D.C., very few with courage. They're, they're trying to, uh, like, you've got uh, two U.S. senators, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and James Langford of Oklahoma. They have offered up a bill to get rid of Columbus Day. And by the way, you could find very bad things about Columbus. You can find some very good things. He was a flawed human being. We can have the argument whether we need to do it. But at this moment, we've got Republicans trying to get rid of Columbus Day nationally because they think that this is going to ameliorate the mob. It's not. The mob needs to be opposed. They need to be held to the legal standard that when they do violence, when they pull down statues without authorization, and when they intimidate others, they are subject to law. They are subject to their actions. They should be held accountable for them. I'm not talking about the peaceful protesters. Whether you agree with, and and most of the protests are peaceful, whether you agree with the protesters or not. And by the way, I, I tend to agree with the peaceful protesters in many ways. They're, most of them are not trying to change the Constitution. They're trying to stand up for it, trying to stand up for the rights of people. As I said in the first hour, I've got, I got five black guys, close friends of mine for decades. And I can tell you of many times when they were mistreated by police or pulled aside when they didn't need to be. And it was wrong what happened to them. They underwent some major, major problems that uh, that harmed them. This does happen, and we need to stand for that justice. So peaceful protesters, I'm fine with. I know exactly uh, what they think. And again, whether you agree with them or not, that's fine. They're trying to assert the Constitution, most of them. But these rioters are trying to tear down the Constitution. They're trying to tear down our forms of government. They are trying to undermine what we are as a nation, and they must be opposed. This is stuff we've got to think about on the 4th of July. We should celebrate what we have. It's wonderful, marvelous, awesome. But we've got to solemnly understand we have to undergo, as Thomas Paine said, the fatigues of securing our liberty. It's fundamentally necessary that we do that. So we do not need to be nice about this. We need to assert who we are as a people. Our liberties were secured by men who died on the field of battle. With all of our flaws, this liberty has been secured. If we don't maintain it in the long run, we will lose it forever. It ain't ever coming back. It was an amazing generation that brought it about. If we don't hold on to it now, it will be gone forever. And we're at risk, potentially, of losing that. I'm going to take a quick break here. When I get back, we're uh, going to be in our final segment of the show. We'll see you on the other side. Well, as we get on this final segment of the Jim Paff show here, um, you know, I've been looking at uh, where we're at as a country, and it feels heavy. It feels concerning. 
what we're going through right now. As I said earlier in the show, I know a lot of people on this 4th of July in particular, you know, we got massive parts of the country shut down. We've got uh, riots that are going on in various major cities. We got people tearing down statues in, in, in a vandalist way. And it's, it's overwhelming. You're, many of you are possibly thinking, should I even go out and hang out with friends today? Maybe you've already thought that. It just feels down. This is the first 4th of July in the lifetime of anyone listening to this program where we've had quite this sort of a scenario. We've, we've had challenges through every one of our lifetimes, but this is maybe the key one on a 4th of July. And I just want to encourage you, celebrate the day. Be in contact with your friends. Uh, you know, consider what we have as a country. We have not yet lost our freedoms, but I can tell you this. We're going to have to be determined not to give our freedoms away. This is what I'm doing and trying to accomplish on my podcast against nice. And for those of you who have been listening to the program, the point I'm trying to make here is nice is a subjective thing. It's whether I feel pleased by what you do, but kindness looks at the needs of others and not primarily of yourself. It certainly looks to yourself, but it, it holds these values in our country, these constitutional and Judeo-Christian values that have made this country great, we want those for ourselves. So, But that's not a selfish thing if we're also taking the time to assert that others can have the benefits of that. This is what freedom is all about. And again, just to repeat the Thomas Paine quote that I shared earlier, he said, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. This is not an easy thing that we need to do, but it's something we need to contemplate on this 4th of July while we celebrate it, while we honor those who came before us, those who died to secure this freedom, those who gave uh, of their lives and suffered harm because they stood for those freedoms. And you can bash on the founding fathers all you want to. And certainly, these are men. By the way, I always, I always say this. 6,000 years of recorded human history proves the moral depravity of man. None of us, not, from the rioters to those who are the most patriotic, none of us can escape the reality that we are flawed human beings. None of us can. You could point the finger at someone else, but there are three fingers pointing right back at you. That's the sad reality of the human condition. So our founders uh, went through that just as much as anyone else. They suffered the same problems that every human being suffers. So we can point out their flaws and point to their flaws, but the reason that they were successful the reason we've had freedom, the reason we've had the prosperity that we've able, been able to enjoy in this country is because they, for the most part, were looking far beyond themselves to principles and ideals and, and a moral understanding of the universe that 
was far beyond who they were as human beings. We must be willing to honor that aspect of them, even if there are things we can't honor about them. It's very unfortunate that slavery continued in this country and that they, there was not the political will at the writing of the Constitution to abolish that institution. There was some political will to do it, but we couldn't get it done. And it's unfortunate. We've paid the price. As uh, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, about the Civil War, at some point, uh, hundreds of years of uh, the blood shed by the bondsman from the lash was taken by the sword in the Civil War. We suffered greatly during the Civil War, and it didn't clean up everything, but it freed men who, and women who should have been freed. It freed human beings who were in chattel slavery and suffered under that institution. We paid the price, and it didn't get entirely cleaned up at that time, but we took a major step. In the 1960s, we took another step forward. And those who are rioting want to pretend like those major steps were never taken. We can concede the imperfection of every one of us in this country right now and certain imperfections in our society that, that some people of color suffer certain sorts of harms. But those people who are rioting on the streets are unduly emphasizing a problem that doesn't really exist or if where it exists in a very limited fashion. But sorry to tell them, they can do whatever they want. The human condition still exists. We are not perfect people. We are flawed human beings. We've never been able to overcome that, and we never will until Christ himself comes back to earth. It ain't going to happen. But judgment is coming for those who do evil. Today or any other time, they will pay. In the meantime, we need to fight for justice in this country. And it's not social justice. We don't need to fight for social justice. That, that also, see, nice people fight for social justice. Kind people seek the same justice for everyone. And our justice is uh, maintained because of a wonderful constitution that we have, which has within it, principles of eternal justice imperfect though it may be because we are in we are flawed human beings living in a time where mankind still has evil within him we must assert these principles of justice that is the best document for freedom that has ever existed in this country and that's our constitution we need to stand for these principles. It will take effort to do that and to assert those because we have opposition from Marxist, socialist, Antifa people who are out violently asserting their ideal, which removes human freedom, which gives a select few the ability to have enjoyments and pleasures in life and power 
But power in our country comes from the people. It does not come from the government. So that's why Mark Twain's uh, quote where, you know, be patriotic all the time, but uh, don't be patriotic towards your government. There's no reason to be patriotic towards the government. You can honor and respect the government when it's doing what's right. You need to oppose it when it's doing what's wrong. And that means you need to get either get, oh, go out and get elected to a school board, to a state legislature, to your city council, somewhere, and then you're suddenly going to be responsible for asserting our constitutional liberties. And it's tough. You will be opposed. You will be put down. But unless we're willing to do that, we will not maintain our liberties. Let me make this very clear. With the flaws that existed at the founding of this country, nonetheless, it was the first time in human history that true freedom ever came to any country. The first uh, step of freedom took place in ancient Athens under their democratic system, but it was flawed because minority communities were not protected. The majority ruled. And as all of our founding fathers understood, democracies fail. The next big step of liberty was in the Roman Republic. But you only got the freedoms if you could get the citizenship, which was hard to get. And they conquered countries, and not everybody in that country were given the liberties that were available. And then it suddenly slid down into monarchy and despotism. And the Roman Republic died. And then under many, after many emperors, the whole country died. The next major step towards liberty was Magna Carta. But it was limited too because the English lords under Magna Carta were given the liberties, not the whole people. The first time in human history that real freedom was placed in a legal document forming the government was when we the people created the American Constitution and held the government accountable to us and not the other way around. Imperfect document. It was one step uh, that, that needed to be taken, but it was a major one. And it brought freedom to millions and has maintained freedom up to this time. Let's keep reasserting that. Let's stand for that. As you are spending the rest of your 4th of July holiday with your family, with friends, remember the wonderful liberties that we've all been given and resolve yourself to put forth the fatigues, the labors, the hard work to maintain that freedom moving forward. Because if you don't take a stand now, it won't be available to you later. This is Jim Paff. Uh, go to www.politicsisntnice.com. Learn more about my Against Nice podcast. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy your 4th of July, and thank you for spending some time with me. Thank you for joining us today on the Against Nice podcast. And again, before you leave us, I just want to ask you, connect with us on our email list and our social media. Go to politicsisntnice.com. 
click on the join our email list button. We'll get you information related to what we learned here today, but also um, other information that we're finding out along the way. It'll be a great resource for you. You can also go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash against nice and our Twitter page at against nice. Go check us out there and we look forward to talking to you, getting your feedback, finding out more from you. Thanks and have a great day.